This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, we're coming to you this week. There was a bit of some drama maybe news that came out of gp minneapolis this week resulting in attendance uh some pros came out and said some stuff about that and i know it's something that we've discussed before but based on who was involved and what exactly has changed in the magic landscape just over like the past couple months mm -hmm. we basically wanted to discuss what low attendance at non-invite events means financially and then what that fallout will look like or could look like and basically just give some tips on how to prepare for that and then we'll take it away into picks yep. so i you know me sky is falling the game is dying whatever uh reptar you have a differing opinion yeah so uh going into round three i think i tweeted out the final attendance number looked like it was nine four four maybe nine five five with a buy i didn't check for a table zero in uh oh yeah in pairings right and uh we do have some people with three buys, but round four is going to see decreased attendance because people are going to drop after going 02 or 03, right? The, the dream is dead. Yeah. And the Minneapolis Convention Center, uh, I think we were in room C, and it is gigantic. The 944-person GP was only about a third of the room. But what happened was on Saturday, that rest of the, the rest of the room filled in. Uh, we did not see that at D.C., and we did not see that at Detroit. Both of those places we saw a room that was maybe half full if you combined everybody there. At mm -hmm. this Magic Fest, what I actually saw was the entire room was filled in. So we are seeing uh, mag possibly the advent of the Magic Fest dream kind of come true. Uh, I know there were some cosplayers there. I didn't see them, though they were only a booth away, according to photos. And the local booth for this event, I believe, was Weird Cards. They are the okay. progenitors of Oathbreaker, and they were there slinging all weekend. And they were yep. they looked fairly busy. They had some product and some stuff uh, from Watsy to supplement. And the gentleman that came in with a pallet of eight and a half tail figurines sold one to Weird Cards. Oh, if you've never seen it, the statue looks beautiful. Oh yeah, the statue is gorgeous. I just where did you find a pallet of them, random uh, guy in Minneapolis? But hey, you know. Uh, Minneapolis is an interesting place for magic because you wouldn't think of it as a hotbed for the beginnings of the game in the first few years, but it definitely it really is was and yeah. was yes. So uh, you know we, like everybody else, we brought our big guns out to play. But what happened was we sold a little bit of that, like we sold a foil Rishadon port, we sold a Guardian Beast, and we sold a Beta Twister. But more often than not, people were looking to shop that stuff around. Yeah, we even had somebody from. Uh, event staff, not um, convention hall staff. The dude was in a, a banana shirt. I've got to say, the Hawaiian shirts at this place were awesome. I saw a guy with a pineapple, a banana, a coconut, and then the dude with the pina colada shirt capped it all off. Wow. So this guy came up to, uh, to us with a banana shirt and he was talking to uh, one of our guys about uh, what their opinions were on uh, old stock. Should he, should he hold his uh, revised cards and older and our guy said well you know if you have anything that's worthwhile like duels or or anything it's up to you because all that stuff is skyrocketed so if you need the money get out if you want hold it and the guy responded back with yeah i've got my moxes and i, I might just shop them around and yeah exactly you write them off or whatever and then at end of day he came in 
with exactly all of that stuff. So, like, random dude in his mid-30s working at the convention center in a banana button-down. Nice. In Minneapolis is, you know, sporting some numbers. But that room filled in, uh, more to the point. There was uh, an MCQ on Friday, an MCQ on Saturday, and I believe an MCQ on Sunday. And I think it was uh, Modern Modern Standard, I want to say. There were uh, Modern Horizons sealed events all weekend long. I saw individuals walking around with... Uh, 1k boxes which lead me to believe that they might have done that goofy like sealed box format yeah but that hall was bumping all weekend so i believe in the more in the idea of the magic fest now and i said this in my tweet leaving i think we're seeing the magic fest as a whole and what it means and the gp just happens to be an event at the magic fest finally we, we no longer have to worry about the GP carrying the Magic Fests. Though I do believe that player population in the area carries a lot of weight for this. Detroit and DC might not be fests moving forwards if that was the attendance we're going to see. But I, I believe that we might actually see stronger turnout at Magic Fest as a whole if you look at unique bodies in the room instead of unique bodies at the GP. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you think about that? When in regards to so, GP, I I think, I mean, look, I've I've long said that you know casuals drive the market. So like, mm-hmm. the people that aren't at those magic fests, or the people that aren't at the GP, that are just there for the fest side, those those are going to be the ones that drive the financial market. I think the problem is that you know, and I'm gonna, for those of you that don't follow the wonderful Eric Froelich on Twitter, he had a brilliant tweet mm-hmm. that he sent out. Um, I believe it was last night, actually, or the night before. Uh, yeah, you know, I love, I love magic. I've always loved it. I always will. I can't remember the last time playing. It was fun. I haven't enjoyed the recent formats. Uh, it's hard for me to justify the formats that I love because, you know, standard and modern or where I compete, but you can't, justify spending time on like legacy or stuff like that Mm -hmm. and i think that what's going to happen is you'll see a lot of the financial aspects uh that relate to these eternal formats start to decay or except for edh obviously uh and i think that standard is more or less if things continue the way it is Mm -hmm. and we start to go full-on arena forget paper magic I mean, I've said standards a bad financial vehicle, anyways. Yep. But like I told you, so standards garbage. Stay away. It's dead. Like competitive standard will only exist online. It will probably be some garbage tier best of one where like I love Kibler, but Kibler's gonna spike it and like you know shuffle out of there. Yeah. Moonwalking yeah. his way out the door <laughs> like nothing ever happened. Um, and and especially you know the the way coverage is going and. I get channel tweets, you know, here's our top eight profiles, here's our, you know, whatever. Yep. But it, it's not the same because people are used to a certain caliber of coverage. You know, it. I, I was talking to uh, somebody else in the industry the other day and they were like, you know, I can't remember the last time I heard Star City mentioned at a GP that wasn't a GP they were attending. I'm like, yeah, but they're the standard again for coverage. Yeah. Because... Wizards doesn't have it. And if it goes all arena, because again, it's cheap. 
it's cheap to broadcast arena. You don't have to pay a logistical staff or anything. That's just all the behind the scenes stuff that you have to do anyways. Yep. If they do that, fine. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of with Efro where he's like, you know, the uh the thing that was more about it to him was this goes pretty heavily against the current direction of competitive play. Arena is an awesome product, but it's not the way I love to play Magic. Shuffling cards, getting to play cool and classic version of the cards I love, and actually interacting with my opponent is what got me into Magic and kept me playing for 25 years. I, I will say it again. I think through design or mismanagement, Paper Magic has three to five years before it's dead. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I hate to be all doom and gloom, but I mean, that's... I don't really know how long they'll be able to carry this on, especially, and admittedly, I don't think you need an emergency ban of Hogak, but if they continue to muddle or, like, myth formats the way that they did standard until recently and the way they have modern, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. Because Arena, you can just do it and it's done. Yeah. It... Just roll it out right away, good. Then they, but the the problem is they can't not print paper standard unless they kill the rest of the game in its entirety. You could see uh, arena events, sorry, not arena events, standard events, just move to arena only. Yeah. Once they actually figure out how to host large person events, and then you don't have to worry about the standard GP anymore. You can yeah. just make the Magic Fest the the event and start posting modern and legacy GPs again if you just care about the event as a whole, which it seems like that's where they want to be. They want to get people into the into these halls playing the game in any way, shape, or form. And short of, like, vintage and old school, every format had a side event this weekend, including Commander. I don't know if there was a Commander fanatic, like there were for Constructed, etc., but they definitely fired side events in every single format. And if that becomes the, the way Magic Fests move going forward, then the lack of coverage for these events definitely has an impact financially. You go back and you look at the way coverage was handled in the text-only text era, and you would have reports up at the end of the round for what happened in the feature match area, complete with photos, or maybe in the middle of yeah. the next round. And those were your finance drivers for what was going on, especially as the event came to a close. And then you would see the cards that did well, maybe something in the top 8 or the top 16 would pop. But we're not even really getting that text coverage in the same, at the same speed that we were back in the late 90s and early 2000s before everything moved to video. Yeah. So you'll lose that finance driver immediately without these eyes. But they don't need to worry about finance drivers for modern and legacy because those formats are fairly self-sustaining and the products speak for themselves. When you introduce a master set, you don't need additional coverage of that set to help pump prices. They'll, they'll, the demand for those cards will do it themselves or and everything else contained within that set when they put EDH tables like Monocrypt in there. But what you lose are the drivers for your standard cards. So now you have to rely on Arena, which is also a little bit lacking because there's no full spectator mode, so you can't watch both hands at once when they do these Arena streams. You have to cobble together things like we do here in OBS to do two screens on one, and it doesn't turn out to be that great. But it also allows them to host more events, larger events, things with a little more prestige, But that, and that pushes product in a sense because they get to make money off the sale of gems. Yeah. 
Which so, has way less overhead for them than printing cards. Correct. And as of right now, aside from maybe the handful of standard GPs left, there's no real reason to play standard or paper unless you're playing it at FNM. So why bother? Yeah. And I think the idea of coverage at a GP waning is fine if they want to continue making them standard GPs. Because Arena happens all the time. 24 hours yeah. a day you can find an Arena stream. You don't need coverage of a standard GP to pump prices. But no. you don't have Modern and Legacy Fire that often and you want to make things a spectacle, then you put coverage on that 100%. I don't know. I, I think the idea of the Magic Fest finally came into fruition because it was that point in time where now we're, we might be in the era where Watsi's plan is actually going to be able to be enacted where as before that it felt like Hasbro said now make money yeah yesterday so Watsi just rolled out their plan in a very ham-fisted fashion and was unprepared to do so six plus months early so they weren't able to really locate everything the way they wanted to with channel they weren't able to get things set up the way they wanted to they weren't ready to handle that lack of coverage and I think in that period of time, Magic Fest just kind of suffered as a whole. They didn't have the feeling that Watsi wanted them to have. There was no circus feeling to it like there is you know, now. You know, back yeah. in the day, the feeling when you went to like a large regional or a GP or even a GPT was more that there were people in the room at the vendors and playing side events, and the event just also kind of happened to be there. Eventually, it changed a little bit, but... I mean, I remember when Star City first started and they were, you know, the two-day 5Ks where you had a break today, too. And the side events were way better EV. So people showed up and grinded sides there because, like... Why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking right now at this very second, uh, we have MTG Goldfish, Jim Davis, and Susurus MTG all streaming Arena. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have a combined 1,300 views between those three, which is basically more than Wizards ever got for a GP. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, on granted, some they'd get up to, like, 18 to 2, but, like... Oh, yeah, one of just infinite terrible standards and shitty sealed. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I think it makes financial sense for them to focus more on Arena. I think that casuals will continue to drive the market. I think there is a certain amount of financial viability to some cards in Legacy. I just think that as competitive magic, which, again, it looks to me like is... Maybe dying is a little harsh, but it's definitely changing a lot. Oh, 100% uh, the landscape and, is changing. Yeah, and I, I think that it's been a long time since we've seen a change like this. And I think the last time that the competitive landscape changed drastically like this was probably when Moto came out. And you had Moto PTQs, and you started to have Star City do a metric ton of yep. coverage. Every weekend there was an event that they were streaming. You could watch it. They had the setup. And I, you know, I, I said in one of our earlier episodes where I was like, look, if you want to make this. If you want to make Paper Magic good, you want to make it streamable, do something like WSOP did. Take this absurdly, like, boring spectator thing and give people personalities, spice it up. Mm -hmm. And they're just getting away from that and going towards the Hearthstone model, which, frankly, I hate. So, you know, sorry, Blitz. 
the, the Hearthstone model is obnoxious. Like, it's a pain. You you lose the personality in it, and and it 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 started to show a couple of years ago that those streaming events, at least for a live audience, were was not worth it. The the one thing, like I I I do agree about the the death for competitive standard. I just don't think it is a, a GPable format anymore. Like it'll put butts in seats, but if Magic Fests are finally turning into what WotC wants them to be, I don't think standard is a format you can reliably place at these. It's it's. I mean, it, the it other thing it is... goes, and more often than not, recently it goes because it's just been bad. But even in even now with modern in like such a quote unquote dark time, we still had almost a thousand people sign up for this event right after a pro tour. That yeah. basically demonstrated that you could play one deck or no decks. You know? Yep. That to me that that was impressive. I don't know how many people traveled for this event. Obviously I don't have those stats there that was uh oh, Watsy might, but I don't think War is that reliable or Moto accounts are that reliable to figure out. Yeah, and see that's that's the thing that like to me the travel aspect is what I think you have to base more of the format around. Like you go to Detroit, you can't fire anything that isn't standard or limited there. You just yeah. can't. Like socioeconomically it doesn't exist there. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't fire a legacy Grand Prix in I don't know, Nevada or not sorry, not Nevada, uh Wisconsin. Yeah. I guess you probably could. You got Madison, you got Bach. Maybe there, but you can't fire vintage in St. Louis. No, you could. You could definitely fire vintage in Washington or New York, and like, granted, you'd probably only get like five or six hundred people, but eat, people travel from across the world for Eternal oh, Weekend. You want a so, circus? You make a vintage Magic Fest. You make you put a vintage GP at a Magic Fest in like New York City or Seattle, or somewhere in California, and you'll have a Vegas? fucking circus. Yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be insane. I mean, they're not going to do it, no. but that's you know I I feel like there's certain areas where they're going to have to run standard GPs, and those are just going to be bad. Yeah, they're going to have to actually start paying attention to the demographics the way Star City does. Star City used to travel the entire U.S. Uh, east mm-hmm. to west, and they appeared on the opposite coast as Watsi per their agreement, and yep. eventually started cutting out the west coast because the cost basis for that was just not good enough. And eventually yeah. started cutting it out, cutting it out, cutting it out. And now, what is it? I think is Dallas geographically is the furthest west they go, or is yeah. St. Louis? Nope, they don't do St. Louis anymore. Okay, Dallas. Yeah, so it's like Dallas and Indy, I think, are the the furthest yep. west they go. And they know they can put modern in those places. They can put modern down in the um, in the U.S. southeast and the U.S. Uh, northeast. Yeah, and a and lot of other places will show up in droves. Yeah, and a lot of other places it's standard just because that's how people turn out. But I don't think Watsi's ever really holds the populace to see what happens and that's why like i said i don't think detroit gets another gp again dc might not if if they do another one in dc it shouldn't be in chantilly virginia i'll put that out there because that area is dog like nothing on 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 watsi or channel for this one that was the venue they chose and it was great for people who are commuting in but that area as a whole is dog real bad yeah, yeah. and I, I understand putting an event in downtown washington dc is terrible uh, like i think it's otakon used to be in baltimore and they moved to dc yeah. a couple years ago for the first year and there are a lot of vendors like i don't know what i'm gonna do man hotels are insane and the travel cost yeah. inside there from the outside is ridiculous to commute so ugh, yeah rough 
Uh, and I, I, so looking at the Star City Open schedule, we've got a Modern in Dallas, a Legacy in Q's, Team Constructed in Philly, Modern in Indy. Regionals are obviously modern. Atlanta is modern. SCG Con is going to be everything like always. Yeah. Like that's that's what you're going to have to do is like research those markets because you can't have legacy in, I don't know, St. Louis. Yeah. just doesn't happen. Not a lot of people. Jer Jeremy, Jeremy gets his people for his 5Ks and his 10Ks, but he only gets a couple hundred people and that's fine. When you're trying to break like seven, eight hundred people, it doesn't happen here. Yeah, no, I, I get it. that's why it's in Jersey usually because you can fly international into Newark and yep. deal with that also shit show. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I do think that the finance driver of coverage being lost is is big for people who wanted to try and make standard their their bread and butter without that. Yep, without that driver of both the Grand Prix and Star City Circuit, you're now relying on one entity or maybe other smaller entities if there's a local shop by you that streams and you, you've got to try and ride it and I don't think that's going to work out. You know, no. Uh, come 2020, you know, the MPL times out, I believe. Uh, all the yeah. pro levels time out after Richmond. And so we have a lot of, I think everything besides FNM is a giant question mark for 2020. Yeah. So we're going to find out what happens because we don't even uh, have uh, uh, an arena MI set up for 2020 yet. No, and we don't have our schedule for 2020. And as far as I know, I don't think that they've announced when the announcement is coming, which they love announcing announcements. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the joke. It's not funny, but that's the joke. Yeah, I, I'm not 100%, but because DC and... Um, Detroit were so bad. I might not actually have any US GPs next year. I just might be running uh, anime cons. Yeah. Because those are just better. But I think the idea of the Magic Fest as a whole is working out when they put it in areas that are. That's a draw. Yeah. And that is not a finance driver, but it does mean that there will be worthwhile pizza, pieces of information coming out. And if you have the ability to go to these events to uh, to floor trade or buy, sell with vendors, it's still going to be very worth your while. As yeah. a vendor, it means different things. It means that you might have to be, you have, might have to go wide with your stock. So because Minneapolis was modern, of course we went deep on modern and we brought like the highlights of standard. Yeah. And you know, some, some powerful stuff for legacy like we didn't have mox diamonds or leds and we weren't asked for them which is fine but we did bring you know force of will brainstorm stuff like that swords that that stuff all sold yeah and i i think that you know again casuals will continue to drive the market but oh, yeah. my my stance is very much like if if you know coverage goes this way if attendance for competitive events goes this way like i did forget legacy just go modern and edh that's that's where to go besides your stable like rl investments because the collectability is there old school viability is there those yeah. aren't going anywhere but <clears throat> no I, I i can get behind that and modern is uh, a little dicey uh, you know knowing that they can reprint anything at any time and in a supplemental or even a standard set if they deem it if they deem the car like low power enough quote unquote yeah, and I, I think the thing with modern is you 
if you're using it for finance, use it to go wide on your stock. Like that's trade stuff. That's super liquid. That's, that's get it at yep. buy a list and sell it. It's not exactly like investment. Yeah. Yeah. And the longest. Sorry. That's all right. No, no. You, I, the fact that we're on the same wavelength is more important than the fact that I got to finish a sentence. Uh, the one thing I like about modern though is that the format just exists and it floats along. Yeah. And it, and it means that the people that play the format and play their one or two decks are allowed to then sit down and just do what they want with those decks in regards to uh, card art, card type, etc. Yeah. So you have a lot of people that just start with mishmash editions and things like that. They'll eventually start foiling things out the more they play the deck and the more they win. And so yep. it does allow for some opportunity for people to pick up some high end thing, some you know high end cards, on on the cheap, to then turn around and move. Like, yeah. So it, like, foiling out your fetches is great because then you've got all these fetches that are super liquid and not foil, and you have these super yeah. liquid foil fetches. Yep. I think the the only fetches that I haven't seen be super liquid are the uh, the judge ones. Just because the price tag on those is ridiculous, so the, it makes them like arguably difficult to sell. And I've never seen anybody play a single judge fetch at a, no, an event. Never. It's just like Guru Lands. I know Chris Van Meter was played one or two in his amulet yeah. list, so it was on stream as somebody having played a Guru Land. And there's a Japanese player that always plays Guru Lands, even Shota. in standard. Yeah. Yeah. But outside of those two, man, I've never seen anybody play a single Guru. I used Summer because weird flex, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's, you know, you, you have the option there and the judge, the judge fetches are awful. Like Korean foil cons fetches are more liquid than judge fetches, which is absurd. Yeah. Uh, I don't, it, it, it's interesting. This is another one of those things where you have to to pick your lane because you have to pay attention to what your flag posts and drivers are for these formats. And if you're losing a driver in coverage, you know, what, what are you going to do to replace that? Yeah. Where are you going to start getting your margins when people no longer have visibility into what's going on going on at these events, and what's winning? Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes it becomes a difficult uh, space to work in. So. But like I said, I think the Magic Fest thing is coming along, and I'm kind of curious to see what their idea is for 2020. Yeah, I. Uh... But it just doesn't do anything for finance as a whole, unless they bring coverage back, and I don't even know. Yeah, I at, at that point, who knows? GFL, I guess. I, I I just, it doesn't feel good. I think it sucks, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I miss watching Magic all weekend long when I have nothing else to do. So. You know, it is, it's good I, background noise. Oh, absolutely. I have the Star City events, which, which are also great, but I also like seeing what was going on at the Grand Prix because those are a little more reliable in regards to what cards are going to pick up in, yeah. in terms of price, usually. Release weekend events like the Star City opens uh, when Watsy takes that weekend off, those were those are great drivers. Yeah. There, that, that option still exists. But I think we've... Uh, pontificated enough we can move on to picks all right uh so mine i'll start it off for those of you that follow us on twitter uh you saw me tweeting out thinking it was a pretty decent pickup uh last weekend as a bonus pick i decided to run it back and make it official Mm -hmm. uh the foil spellbook version of martyr's bond so a little bit of an odd choice considering how much the value tanked Yep. with a single reprint. I'll admit that. 
But it's a casual all-star. It's an EDH effect. It's the first foil printing. And not that this really matters much, but I've been getting more into collecting magic art, so I'm going to go with it. It's Seb McKinnon art, and everybody loves Seb right now. He's so hot. Yep. Uh, Literally and and figuratively. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And the foils are $2.85 is TCG low for foils. This is the first foil printing. It's unique art. It's a unique frame. Like It has everything going for it in terms of collectability and it's just an absurd all-star like right now there are 75 foil listings i also think and this is based on conversations with distro quantities of this spell book are lower than they were for jace because wizards kind of expected them to not sell it sell good yeah which they did with jace for some reason imagine that all the blue cards yeah i but they you know, dist- distros still have Jace spellbooks in yep. some cases, but Gideon, they said they got about half the quantity. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot more scarcity there, and this is, like, again, just a casual all-star. Yep. I like it. I, I finally got to see the the frame for these this weekend, because we have yeah. uh, the paths and the rest oh, of these, yeah. right? And the some of the cards look good, some of them don't like with the the J stuff, and the the Mars Bond looks pretty decent. So that that's also yeah. a consideration for something like this is whether or not it actually looks good in the good. in the frame and the foiling. Yeah. Uh, do we know the percentage chance of Martyr's Bond foil? Is it one in? So it's 16? one. Yeah, it's one in sixteen. Um, I believe. I don't think it's done by rarity. Because, like, there's some in the... I think everything's just rare or mythic. I think it's got a whatever it's... No, it's all rare. One, two, three. Yeah, it's it's, it's oh, all rare. So it's Gideon's one in mythic. 14. Sorry. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that, that card's worthless now anyways. Rip. I guess one um, in... There's eight cards, so I guess one in eight. Cause I'm in yeah, eight. one in eight. Uh, and I mean, even even looking at the foil prices on this right now, you know, like worship, uh, I guess shielded by faith is cheaper. Gideon is cheaper, mm-hmm. and true conviction is cheaper. Uh, two of those are super EDH playable in Martyrs Bond and Gideon, so I I think they're a decent pickup. Yep, no, I, I think so too. And uh, my my pickup this week is uh, is also an EDH card. Uh, I I slept on it a little bit. I changed my pick a couple months ago from Chancellor of the, from this card to Chancellor of the Tangle. And then uh, I had some conversations with people who have bought heavily into the market for this. And my, my card is uh, Woodfall, Woodfall Primus. Yeah. So the card is great. It's a $10, or was a $10 EDH staple until the, uh, the UMA printing, which is the third printing. You have yeah. Shadow War, Modern Masters, and uh, Ultimate Masters. And this card can be found kind of for cents on the dollar because, like I said, it's it's crashing. It's on its way down. It's like two fifty, two three dollars, something yeah, like the Modern that. Modern Masters yeah. version. And unless they print this again in another Master set, which is always a possibility, eventually this card's going to course correct. Right now, we're seeing a huge separation in average and market, which just generally means that demand isn't there. So yeah. these prices are going to keep coming down. 
So I don't know if I would move in on it yet. Like the only copies I own are the copies I play, so maybe two or three. I play set at most just in case I want to play a lot of green EDH. But yeah. I think this is a card that if like this complete landslide of a price graph is to be believed that we will eventually see this card dip down to be sub a dollar soon or maybe close to yeah a dollar and then that's when i would buy in we might see it around the holidays when you know people get their holiday money and they want to start buying into cards they couldn't pick up uh, more expensive options or better options for what they own so we could just see it kind of plateau out for a little while until the holidays and if it does i'd probably give it about a month so maybe uh, of like pure plateau so yeah if you don't want to keep checking in every couple of weeks you know set an, an alarm check for mid-october and if we've seen a plateau until then then that's when i would move in on this card because again w without another printing there's no way this this trough just doesn't reverse and climb back up yeah. towards ten dollars again because this is a green edh staple whether you're mono or even if you're splashing three green is not that hard to get off of signets and your off color no. lands and the effect while uh, replaceable is not on a 6-6 six, six trampling body that persists uh, yeah exactly so uh, self reanimation who knew exactly right it's good I mean, yeah and it's an etb trigger it's not a cast for what it's yeah. worth so you can cheat it in any way you want yep yeah that's that going for it but uh that that's the card i'm i'm looking at for this week I think that's a solid choice. Uh, when when we discussed it, when you changed to Chancellor, I I thought it was solid then too, and it was higher yeah. in price. So I definitely think as this gets lower and lower, like you said, that the delta between low and market is almost a dollar and a half right now yeah. on the Shadowmore. So that's pretty decent. So yeah. I think it's solid. Thank you. I think that's all we got for this week, guys. So we're gonna cut out of here. Uh, I am, Feel free to catch us at Vegas yep, we'll, next week. We'll both be there. We, we're uh, trying to figure out timetables. Yeah. So once we figure that out, we'll let everybody know. But uh, I am at Halt. I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and on Patreon. You can find us uh, not only in those locations, but also in our Discord. If you join our, if you become a patron, that also enters you into our Uma raffle. And the next one we have, we will have coming up most likely. Uh, post Vegas and pre Eldrain once we figure out what we want to give away. Yep. So stay tuned. Guys. Uh, likely going to be a set of the commander decks. So stay tuned. All right. See you guys next week. Yep. See ya.